Welcome to Creating Madness, ladies and gentlemen. We got a great episode today. We're going to be ranking some guards uh, based on stats like offense, defense, and under underlying factors. We each have our ones to share, so it's going to be a fun episode today. Before we get started, of course, we have to shout out the Unwrapped Sports Network for all that they do for us. They're our partner podcast network. They're amazing. Check out all the other podcasts they support. Check out their social media so that you can keep up to date with us and other podcasts. And make sure to uh, check out our socials at ATR Madness for Twitter and underscore Creating Madness for Instagram. Now, if you're on Instagram, feel free to DM us to join a college basketball group chat that is running daily with College Basketball Talk all year round. And make sure to sh- uh, check out the Unwrapped Sports Network Patreon which can give you exclusive rewards from the Unwrapped Sports Network. All right, so we're going to be ranking some guards today. So let's start with the point guard honorable mentions. All right, I'll start us off. Ty Ty Washington, 12 overall player in the nation, committed to Kentucky. What can you say about this guy besides just Calipari as his point guard? I would say for the future, but this is a one-and-done type player. Ty Ty Washington is a beast on defense, three-level scorer. There's nothing this man cannot do. I think that he's going to have to carry that bulk on the offense. While I do have some solid players, he has enough athleticism that he can get to the rack, and then he has a very nice three-point arc where he will be able to score a lot. Uh, next up for honorable mentions, we have J.D. Davidson, number 10 recruit in the country from the University of Alabama. He is going to be joining Javon Quinterly, who we'll talk about in just a second. And uh, a shooting guard on our list, who we'll talk about in a little later, his name is Jaden Chat. I know him. Uh, second team on ACC, by the way. Not ACC, SEC, my bad. Um, he's going to be joining those two to create a three-headed backcourt monster at the University of Alabama. Overall, this kid's a freak athlete, has a great jumper, and is really intense on defense. I'm love. I'm going to love to see what he can do at Alabama, along with the rest of his teammates. So taking a look at Jose Alvarado from Georgia Tech, he's a six-foot point guard, the 85th uh, top prospect um, in the top 100. Just taking a look at this guy, he's six foot, but he can shoot the lights out. 50.4 from the field average, which is amazing, 15 points per game. Uh, he's a great shooter, especially from deep. Uh, he can make nice off-ball plays, and when he gets to the line, he can definitely make the free throws. Uh, he's a, also a very solid defender. He can get many steals as well for being so quick. The only downside to him is that he struggles to drive in and get the points inside because of his short size. But I can't wait to see what happens with Alvarado. Same here, but moving to the next honorable mention, Grant Sherfield, Nevada, nearly 19 points a game, 2.2 assist to turnover ratio, 3.7 boards, 1.6 steals on 43% shooting. Kids insane. Nevada is going to have a hell of a year in the Mountain West Conference. I'm looking forward to that UNLV Nevada rivalry that they got going. And Sherfield is going to be the reason why they're competing in that Mountain West for the title. Uh, last up on our list is James Jinko, former point guard at the University of Arizona, now guard at the University of Baylor. Not, not the University of Baylor, Baylor University, reigning national champions. Um, He's going to be joining a team that's going to be really going to rebuild the guard position, but he's going to help out a lot, averaging around 16 points a ball game, 5.4 assists per game, a little over two rebounds, a little over a steal per game, almost one and a half steals per game, albeit on 38% field goal percent shooting, but with the little amount of offensive he's going to carry in terms of his uh, scoring, 
He's going to be fine in the playmaking department, as he clearly showed by his 5.4 assists per game. And he will help Baylor try and repeat as national champions. Yep. Moving into the actual top 10, Caleb Love, who, as we all know, North Carolina didn't have the best of the years last year. Not even close. <laughs> especially for North Carolina standards. But Love's going to be the focal point on this offense. Let's be honest here. Hubert Davis needs this team to have a great year and recruited two very highly athletic players in Styles and Dunn, along with their big man, Dawson Garcia, in the paint. Love's in for a treat. He's going to be able to feed these three the ball, get those assist numbers up, hopefully to about two assists per turnover. And his scoring is going to be up a lot, seeing as he's going to be working on his three-point shooting all offseason, getting it up from that really poor 26% a game. And, yeah, they're going to get a, he's going to have a good year for North Carolina. Looking at our number nine spot, we have my guy, AJ1, Andrew Jones, coming back for his fifth year as only a junior due to his unfortunate leukemia diagnosis in the middle of his college career. Uh, he's a guy who averaged around 15 points per game, only a one to assist to turnover ratio, almost four and a half, about four and a half rebounds a game, a steal per contest. He gave you about 40% shooting on 12, per, 12 shots per night, 34% from three on six shots a night, and 83% from the line on three one one attempts. Um, Andrew Jones saw a lot of scoring promise coming back from his unfortunate departure of leukemia, as I pre- previously stated. As a scorer versus point guard, Andrew Jones had multiple high 20-point outings on high efficiency versus a lot of high-quality teams, including Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and even the reigning national champions, the Taylor Bears. On the defensive end, Jones is a very high-energy player, getting a, around a steal per contest and usually guarding the opponent's best perimeter player. And I think what Lance Jones on this list is his ability to score and his potential to score even better than he did last season. If he can control his inefficiency from game to game, and if he can find an uptick in his playmaking, he could be even more dangerous than some of the players we're going to talk about in a little bit. All right, time for number eight, Kennedy Chandler, sixth overall player, committed to Tennessee, one of the best recruits in Tennessee history. Chandler looks to make a lot of noise this year and he hopes to take them back to the glory days of a couple of years ago, performing almost a Cade Cunningham-like role, as he'll be tasked with a lot, mainly keying in on defense and at the three-point line, which shouldn't be a problem for the two-way high school star. He's going to be the main focus in this Tennessee offense, and look for him to be a top-five draft pick next year. Moving in back-to-back for me, I got Andre Cabrillo, who didn't have the best year last year, nine points, 1.6 assist-to-turnover ratio, four boards, uh, nearly 50% shooting, but only 16% from three. Slow start, but you know what? With AO and Georgie giving up 26.2 and 5.7 assists for him and the rest of the team to take over, he should take over, especially in the three games with IO missing, 14.7 points per game, 8.3 boards, and 3.7 assists in those three games, and they were 3-0, including a 20-point win against Michigan. Yeah, I think Andre's in for a big year, especially with Kofi returning. All right, taking a look at Villanova transfer now, Alabama player Javon Quinterly posting up a solid 12.9 points for this uh, this past season. Fairly good shooter from the field, 47.8% on 9.9 shot attempts, oh, uh, around half of them being threes. He's 43.3% there. And again, he led Alabama to a, to a uh, historic season last year. The only things that I would improve on for Javon Quinterly is he is not a great free throw shooter, only 68.9% from the line. 
And also, he's very wild on offense and defense, um, causes fouls as well as turnovers, and can be a little selfish on the ball. Coming in on our number five spot, we have Remy Martin, point guard now at the University of Kansas, uh, coming off of his time at Arizona State University. He averaged at Arizona State last season a little over 19 in contest with a 1.5 assist to turnover ratio, almost three rebounds a game, and a little over a steal a game. He gave you 14 shots on 43% shooting, six three attempts on 35% shooting, and around 77% from the around, sorry, around 77% from the charity stripe on about six attempts a game. Um, you know, Martin's a guy who's gonna give you about 20 almost every night on solid efficiency. You know, but if we're considering if we're putting into consideration how he's being guarded by the opponent's best runner defender every night and how many shots he was taking, those decent shooting splits start to look really good, honestly. As for his playmaking, it didn't appear as though he has an outstanding amount of playmaking talent based on his numbers of last season, but I would attribute that to his role as the primary scoring option on a very struggling Arizona State squad. Early in his career, though, during his freshman and sophomore year, he averaged nearly four assists per game with a 2.3 assist to turnover ratio, meaning that he for sure has the capability to be an extremely talented playmaker. Maybe he's put in the right spot, which I'm sure he will by his new coach, Bill Self. And on the defensive side of things, Remy Martin is only six feet tall with shoes and 170 sorry 170 pounds soaking wet, but he tries with every inch and pound on his body to make it happen on that side of the court. He's a tenacious defender, um, and despite not averaging a steal game, he's extremely active hands and kind of a knack for being in the right place from what I've watched out of him. Um, and overall, he's a great offensive talent, and I would say a solid defender despite his size, which is what puts him in the top overall half of our list. And I would say if he can figure out how to shoot consistently and Messwell, which is backcourt corner, uh, Ochai Baji, then Kansas should have its most lethal backcourt in years, honestly. And now, moving to number four spot, which I will also be covering, uh, we have Jay Nivey from the Purdue Boilermakers. He's going to be a sophomore next year. As a freshman, he averaged 11, a little over 11 a game with a 1.4 assist to turnover ratio, a little over three rebounds, a little under a steal, and he would give you almost 10 shots per game on 40% shooting. A little over four threes a night on 25% shooting and about 73% from the charity stripe on about 3.2 attempts. And I would say compared to everyone else in this list outside of the freshman listed, Ivy has the most upside out of any player, honestly. And he showed this upside in the U19 Team USA Tour, which we saw this summer. He averaged a little over 12 points per game and a little over assist. And sorry, we couldn't get this to no ratio. FIBA was a little over the stats. Uh, he also managed to pull in three boards a game, and he averaged two steals per game and shot a very remarkable 48.4% from the field. And in a five-game sample size, he started every single game with the United States' best teenagers and seemed to solve his inefficiency woes against some of the best competition in the world. He also contributed nicely in the playmaking department and guarded some of the best perimeter players in the world with almost relative ease. I think his potential to take Purdue deep into the tournament puts him above a lot of other players on this list. And I would say if he can keep shooting at a high mark, um, even you know throughout the season going into March Madness, he has a possibility to move up. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that FIBA will seamlessly translate to the NBA. You know, live NBA players struggle with the new FIBA rules, but if he plays like he did in FIBA against the college kids, he's gonna eat. That's all I gotta say. Yep, for sure. And moving into someone whose dad is probably a top. I don't know, 15 NBA player of all time, Scottie Pippen Jr. Well, he's not his father. He's very good, especially on the offensive side of the ball, averaging about 21 points per game. 
on 43% shooting. He's quick, wirely, and with his athletic frame, he can score at all three, three levels, making it extremely hard for the best SEC defenders to keep up with him. His very efficient shooting splits on high volumes of shots with his phenomenal ability to get to the line, about eight shots per game at the charity stripe, making 85% of them, along with his assist-to-turnover ratio of 1.3, show he's the pretty much full offensive package from the point guard spot. While on defense, he's also a phenomenal on-ball defender, tasked with guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player every single night. Scotty does a great job on staying in front of his man, and what puts him at the number three spot, for me at least, and I'm pretty sure John agrees, He's, at bare minimum, above average, which is uh, every single stat, which is something not every single player below him can say. He's easily going to lead Vanderbilt this year and hopefully lead them to a tournament spot. For sure, Vanderbilt's looking to get back in the tournament since they had the GOAT, Luke Cornette, on their squad. Um, But moving on to our number two spot, we're looking at a guy who... Stuck into the hearts of literally every single college basketball fan on earth. I don't care what team you root for. I don't care if you hate the state of Oklahoma. But you gotta love Max Naismith. <laughs> Sorry. He was a guy who gave you nearly 25 a night, which we just don't see a lot of a lot of college basketball players. Also in a 1.6 assist turnover ratio with which how much he's scoring, that's really impressive. Despite being sub six foot, he averaged over three boards a game and he averaged 1.5 steals a night. So get this. On on almost 17 shots a game, he shot 48% from the field and almost eight threes a game. Sorry, a little over eight threes a game. He shot 42% from the field and he got to the line about five and a half times and shot 90% from the line. To put it bluntly, if this dude was four inches taller, he would legitimately be the next Steph Curry. And there was no hyperbole in that statement. Uh, despite this guy taking an unreal amount of shots from the field and being double teamed by the time he steps inside of half court, he still managed to score nearly 25 in contests and have hyper-efficient shooting splits and get to the line a solid amount and facilitate well with a with a pretty good 1.6 assist turnover ratio. Unfortunately, at defense, he's just not that guy. Uh, he manages to get one and a half steals per game. That doesn't necessarily correlate to how good he is on that end. And I think what separates him from everyone else on our list besides our number one is how unbelievably talented he is on offense. He is so good, in fact that his lack of a defensive game really doesn't matter in this case. And I can guarantee you that he'll continue to shock the world this season. All right. So number one, coming from Archbishop Wood High School in Philadelphia and from Villanova University, Colin Gillespie posting up a solid 14 points a game before the knee injury. Uh, He's 42.8% from the field, shooting around 10.4 shots per game. Half of those being threes, 37.6%. From three. Now this guy is a Swiss uh, is a Swiss Army knife. He has everything you want. He's a great scorer. He's a decent passer. He's a pretty good defender, and he's very good on the ball and off the ball. So he, again, he's very unselfish. Uh, sets up his teammates for uh, scoring opportunities. He again, he can, he's also six three, so he uh, can take the smaller guards that are six two, six one, and he's a pretty good shooter again with a thirty seven point six percent. Um, from three. Now, the only issue, just like Alvarado, he struggles to score in traffic, which is a skill he'll need for the NBA, but I think he can work it out in his fifth year at Nova, and we can't wait to see the future Colin Gillespie has. So, with that out of the way, let's go to shooting guards. Let's start with our honorable mentions. 
I'll take our first honorable mention. Um, here we have Trevor Keels, the number 20 player in the country. Um, he's committed to the Duke University Blue Devils. This guy was a five-star recruit. This guy is almost a perfect rating on 24-7's composite rating. I mean, this guy is a, is a, is a almost a perfect five-star for a reason. He has all the intangibles that you want out of a great college player, freak athlete, great shooter, hard hustle defender, and honestly, is likely going to be in Durham for only about nine months as he's going to be a first-round pick out, you know, barring injury or any freak scenario. So, All right, taking a look at Memphis's Earl Timberlake, player for Penny Hardaway. Taking a look, his scoring is a little bit low, 9.3 points per game. But he is a solid athlete. He generates fouls all the time. He's a great rebounder for his size at 6'6", and he is a great defender. Again, the only thing he needs to do is improve his shooting, uh, improve that number for scoring just a little bit, and uh, he can be a little unselfish to a fault uh, sometimes as he could be taking those scoring opportunities himself. For sure. Moving right into well, my more interesting players and honorable mentions, Bryce McGallis, 26 nationally, number four shooting guard, committed to the University of Nebraska. So if you're a top, you know, 50 player, for some reason, you're committing to the school that has never won a March Madness tournament game. He wants to be that guy, obviously. He will be that guy, and we'll see if he can lead that team with his three-level scoring and fantastic defense to a tournament one for the first time in their history. And then moving right in again to my absolute favorite player on this list. Well, he has not done enough to be a top 10 player in our eyes. A.J. Green of Northern Iowa. He was injured last year, but still managed to get 22.3 points a game, 2.7 assists, nearly six boards, a steal .3 per game, and on 46% shooting from the field, A.J. Green had a very solid couple games. And had he been healthy that entire season, Northern Iowa – takes the Missouri Valley Conference away from Drake and Loyola. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not get carried away here. I think AJ Green is going to do good, but those are some pretty good NBC teams. But uh, also, real quick, I want to touch on Bryce McGowan's. If that guy can take Nebraska to the tournament, especially coming from a Big Ten fan like Ethan, I think it would be literally a walking miracle. So I'm just really interested to see what he can do with a struggling program. Uh, moving on to my last guy, we have Aaron Wiggins from uh, University of Maryland. This guy is going to give you Nearly 50 or 14 half points per game with 2.5 assists, six boards a night, which is pretty impressive for a shooting guard. Uh, he's gonna give you over a steal per game and not much over. It's gonna give you about 45% field goal shooting. Aaron Wiggins makes his mark on the defensive end. This guy is going to guard the best perimeter player in the Big Ten every single night and give them a run for their money. This guy's also really ramped up his scoring. Uh, starting considering from last season, he wasn't sorry, considering from the season before last, he wasn't even averaging 10 points per game. Now he's averaging almost 15. I would say if this guy can improve it at a faster rate and get his scoring up to nearly 20 points per game, he's going to easily be on this top 10 list by the end of the season. But overall, this guy is a really great player. He's going to help Maryland have one of their best seasons in program history. All right, moving right into that top 10. Taz Sherman, West Virginia. All right, starting off really quickly. This man is the biggest team player I've ever seen at West Virginia or any school in the Big 12 other than – the one exception, I will say, is Andrew Jones, you know, coming back from leukemia, but not going into that right now. Start off the man, obviously, team player, and his main focus is to help his team win games. He had numerous opportunities to go pro. He stayed. And honestly, that's great. 
for West Virginia, especially with this man being a knockdown shooter from three. He can hit a shot from NBA range with relative ease to go along with his incredible speed, which helps tremendously on defense. His guard plays the main reason why West Virginia is one of the best two-way overall teams in the nation. I'm excited to see what he's going to pull out in the senior year. At number nine on the list, we have Kellen Grady. This is a guy who was balling out Davidson and said, you know what, I'm better than the A-10. I'm going to go straight to the SEC and play for the best there is, Coach John Calipari. Um, Grady's a guy who, in the A-10, gave you a little over 17 points per game, 2.4 assists, almost five rebounds, almost a steal, and shot 13 shots per game on a really nice 47% from the field. He shot seven threes and made 38%, sorry, sorry, shot seven threes a night and made 38% of them, and then only took three attempts from the foul line a night and then only made 67%, um, but that's fine. I would say, you know, Grady Davidson led, sorry, Grady led Davidson to a 13-9 record in an extremely competitive A-10 conference while carrying the bulk of the offensive load and doing so in a very efficient manner, as you can see by the stats. Now he's moving to a Kentucky squad where he's going to be the lead guard and arguably the best team in the SEC. Grady's going to have a, the biggest offensive role on the team, along with being the best shooter on the team. And on defense, Grady's limited athleticism prevents him from being an elite defender, but his effort on and off the ball along with a pretty solid man. Um, I think that will transfer over to nice to the SEC, considering the fact that effort is something that always plays. And so I think he's going to do a great job in that conference. Um, his ability to adapt in his new environment is going to be the difference between him being a first-round pick and him playing in Europe. And we're very positive Coach Cal is going to put him in a position to succeed, considering he is great with getting guards to the NBA. And we think he's going to thrive at Kentucky. Yep. And speaking of guys that are going to have to be the number one option on the team, Adam Miller. After a very, very depressing end to the Illini season, Miller seems to be upset with his, you know, less than seller sat line and roll, being fifth on the team in points per game. Adam Miller looks to be at bare minimum the number two guy on LSU with at least doubling his points per game is what he hopes to do. And he wants to show off that shot-creating skills back from when he was a top 50 player in high school. Ace Wolf is up for the challenge and leaving what would have been his team to show he's willing to work under the pressure that he now has on his shoulders, he should outshine most of his SEC competition. And then moving right into number seven, a Big Ten shooting guard, Max Christie. 17th best nationally and the best shooting guard in the nation coming to Michigan State. With only one other player on his team who averaged double digits, I believe the guy averaged 17 in a lesser conference, but then transferred. Christie is looking to be the focal point of a Big Ten team that wants to compete. He's a reliable and consistent shooter who looks to elevate his game into lottery pick status. Christie looks to use his six and a half foot frame and athleticism to outshine McGowan's and any other top shooting guards in the nation. And Christie is more athletic than the majority of these players on this list. And he is going to prove exactly why he's the best shooting guard in the class of 2021. Very, very good ending. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, at number six, we have Courtney Ramey, another one of my favorite Longhorns. Uh, this guy last season averaged a little over 12 points per game, averaged a nice four assists per game as the two guard. Uh, average about 3.2 rebounds per game, average just, I mean, average just one per steal per game, and shot about 10 shots on 38% shooting from the field. Four and a half shots with 41% from three, which is kind of crazy that he has a higher three point percentage than a regular field goal percentage, but that's a cool note. And 
He shot three attempts from the line of game and made 83% of them. I would say the one thing holding Corny Emmy back from being one of the best, if not the best shooting guards in the country is his scoring inside of the three-point line. If he can start finishing in traffic, which was really annoying last season to watch as a giant Longhorns fan, he will arguably the most be the most prolific scorer in the country, and I'm not even kidding. Everything else on that offensive end, he excels at. Great three-point shooter. 41% on four-and-a-half attempts per game, and he's going to up that this season. He's a great playmaker from the two-spot and even better in transition. On the defensive end, Remy isn't anything special. He's an average on-ball defender and decent at creating turnovers, but overall there's nothing to gawk at when it comes to his defense, unlike his offense. Uh, we can see Remy improving as an interior scorer this year and even making a great case for a move in the top half of shooting guards in the country if he can do so. All right. Moving into the number five spot, we got Jane Shackelford, who was one of Alabama's best players and has recently decided that he's going to stay at Alabama instead of transferring. But quickly before I get into him, let's just acknowledge how ridiculous this Alabama backcourt is. Previously mentioned five-star J.D. Davidson, along with previously mentioned top 10-point guard talent, Jahan Quinterly. Along with the second-team All-SEC selection, Jane Shackelford? Shackelford's an explosive offensive player. He uses his gifted athleticism to get to any spot he wants on the court, particularly around the rim, with his athleticism and efficiency looking maybe not the best. But when you take into consideration he's taking over 11 shots a game for his efficiency, it starts to look pretty solid. On defense, he didn't have the biggest role in the perimeter due to, you know, the defense excellence of Herb Jones. But this year, he's going to step up, and he is going to have to guard each team's best perimeter player and that's going to put him in the top half of our list since he's a very well-rounded overall player who didn't have any glaring weaknesses in his game. He's above average about just everything he does, and he'll be a key force in taking over Alabama's three-headed monster guard deep into March. All right, heading back to my home city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we got Justin Moore from Villanova. 12.9 per game, which is solid for the uh, – Class he's in, three assists per game, 44.1% from the field. The only thing I would like to improve shooting-wise is his three. He has a great three-point form, but he's only three, 31% from the three-point field. He's also mega quick and can set up opportunities for his other teammates. Uh, he's not going to be really draft-ready this year, but in the next couple years, expect his name in the first or second round. Perfect. Uh, moving on to the number three spot, again, a Longhorn. Seen that a lot on here. We're going to be really good this year. Um, Marcus Carr, transferring from Minnesota. This guy averaged almost 20 a night with almost five assists per game at the two spot, which is really nice to see. He, he pulled down four boards per game. He averaged 1.3 steals a night. Now, he took 15 and a half shots, and that's probably the reason why he averaged only 39% of the field. Took six and a half threes per game, only averaged 32% from the three, and took six and a half attempts from the stripe, but it averaged 80% from the field. I'm going to try my hardest not to ride the Marcus Carr bandwagon too much due to his most recent decision. Again, hook him horns. Uh, but this guy's a flat out bucket, honestly. Carr was one of the best and most clutch shooters in the country, nearly pulling 20 a night in the best regular season conference for all of college basketball. He managed to get up almost 20 a game despite having very little help from his teammates heavy amounts of isolation buckets, and defensive game plans designed to specifically make him get up contested shots and give the ball to his teammates, who couldn't really do much with it. On defense, Carr uses his athleticism and defensive instincts to create havoc in the passing lanes, averaging over a steal per night, but only being 6'2", limits him from guarding a lot of the most elite talent in his position. 
And I think what puts Carr in the top three is his unbelievable ability to score the basketball. Despite his inefficiency woes, he's still regarded as one of the, if not the most lead scorers in all of college basketball. And, got a little back back here. Uh, for our number two spot, we have Oche Abagji. I probably butchered that somehow. Um, the shooting guard from Kansas. This guy is going to have a giant role this year. And in this season alone, he only averaged 14 points per game, little under two assists per game, almost four boards per game, over a steal in a night, and he took 12 shots per game on 42% shooting, took seven threes per game on 38% shooting, and took about three attempts from the line per game on 70% shooting. Uh, Ochoic Baji has the potential to put this Kansas team on his back. With the departures of Jalen Wilson and Marcus Garrett, Agbaji will be forced to put will be forced to be put an even bigger offensive load on his shoulders. And the reason why I believe he's up to the challenge is as a third or second option, depending on the night, he was putting up an efficient 14 points per game on a lot of off-ball offense designed for him. This means that his high efficiency is very likely going to continue this season, just on a lot more shots points from the field. And I would say based on likely... Uh, sorry, I messed that up. I would say based on our projections, he's going to average an efficient 20 points per game as a scorer and be a solid defender, which puts a massive gap between him and a lot of other shooting guards in the country. All right, and your number one shooting guard from UCLA, Johnny Juzang. That's right. This guy knows how to score, and this guy knows how to shoot. 16 points per game, uh, 44.1% from the field on 13.44 shots average. And uh, not actually a lot of them were within the uh, three-point arc because only 5.77 three-point shots per game on average with 35.3% from the three-point arc. I mean, he's a solid shooter. He's a great athlete, and he can definitely shoot off the dribble. The only thing – oh, and actually, he's also a terrific three-point uh, free-throw shooter. I almost forgot. 87.7% from the line. If he gets uh, put at the line, he will make them. The problem is he does not draw enough at the line, so that's something he'll have to work on. And he's also not the best defender as he's a little undisciplined defensively. All right, so those were our rankings, and we're about to sign off for today. But before that, we want to shout out the Unwrapped Sports Network. Check out their socials, and again, check out our socials at ATR Madness and underscore Creating Madness. Those are our socials. DM us for the college basketball group chat. We'll have another episode coming out soon. And until then, take care, folks.